Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Soccer dude, rockin' America. He doesn't know soccer, but he's gonna talk about soccer dude, rockin' America. Tactical analysis. Transfer news. Unlikely. Hey, that's not what I wrote. I don't really care. We're going with it now. All right. Soccer new back in America. Soccer new back in America. Featuring person Talking about soccer lots. Hello and welcome to Soccer Noob Rocket America, episode 72. I'm Soccer Noob, your host. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Person Noob. Hello! And we're here to give you, along with uh, silliness like what you just heard in the song, many previews of the 10 best, most intriguing matches to be found anywhere in the world as we define them. That includes top two matchups from any top flight domestic league in the world. Doesn't matter if it's big or small. We just might go there. International tournaments, national teams, if the stakes are high, we're going to be giving a coverage. This episode, we're going to be talking matches running from Friday the 25th of February through Thursday, March 3rd. And I am surprised and humbled to learn that this week, we actually have our first ever sponsor in our year plus history of doing the podcast. So let me make this, I guess, sound really official-like. And now a word from our sponsor. It's an invasion of low prices with our clean sweep coup d'etat spring sale. Running now at your local Gazprom office. What on the good green earth is... No, we are not... Come on. Come on, who's... Who's messing with us on this? I know that we are not being sponsored by that Russian energy company. We don't play politics on this show. I'm not sure that's funny. All right. Let's start the match mini previews with... Match number one! This is a Friday match, and we sail on off to Africa. It's Champions League group stage time there. They're down to 16 teams that have been divided into four groups of four. They're going to play a double round robin, and the top two from each group will advance to the final eight. There's a couple of matches into this, but it's still really important stuff going on, of course. The matchup that we've chosen to look at is number three, Amazulu FC, and they are taking on current second place in the table, ES Satif from Tunisia. Here's how the table looks right now. Uh, Morocco's Raja Casablanca. They've won both their games, have six points. And then these two each have three points. And then Haroya from the country of Guinea. Uh, I don't believe that they have any points earned yet. As always, we'll talk about the home team first. Amazulu, South Africa. They are known as the heroes, or in a local, I'm assuming tribal language, maybe Swahili, not sure. 
Amakwahe. Um, also another nickname they're known by is Usuthu, which is actually a tribal war cry. Uh, embarrassingly, I was not familiar with the name of this city. Uh, they are from one called Durban, which is the number three size city in South Africa. Eastern port, about 600,000 people in the city proper, but three and a half million people in the greater metro area. One of the bigger, perhaps even biggest cities on the Indian Ocean. Yet despite the fact that it's a port city, I'm guessing it's not a terribly deep port because economically this is a city that's still mainly a, a sugar refining area. Something else that it is known for, if you are socially or even politically uh, tend to lean this way, uh, you may be familiar with the city in that it is considered the greenest city in the world, at the very least, by the Husqvarna Urban Greek Green rather Space Index. That was in 2020. Footy-wise, they have won just one league title, and that was all the way back in 72. So this is not one of your traditional powers. They've got to just be aching to be able to advance even further in this event. Haven't been there in a long time, if ever. In the Premier League era in the country, which starts in 1996, the previous best they've ever done was number seven. That was back uh, just a decade ago. They qualified for this event by finishing in second place in last year's South African Premier Division, which, by the way, is the number five ranked league in all Africa. How did they qualify for the group stage? Well, in the very last round, they pulled off a neat upset. They beat uh, perennial qualified T.P. Mazembe out of the Democratic Republic of Congo. Uh, this is not one of your favorites. They are scheduled to finish fourth, uh, based on where they're seated anyway, in this group. So, so far, it's early, yes, but they're beating that. And the crowd should turn out big, 52,000 strong. Here's to hoping that's how many Kings Park Stadium holds where they'll be hosting this game. Here in the group stage, they are 1-0-1 with just a 1-1 goal differential. All the teams have been uh, playing things fairly close to the vest, low-scoring affairs. Uh, best indicator for how the team is performing this year would be to look at this year's Premier Division play for them. 2021-2022 uh, season, they're about halfway through in South Africa. This team is currently in seventh place, and yet don't be fooled, they only trail uh, second-place Orlando Pirates by three points. So this is a team that could well qualify again. Uh, they'll probably have to ramp up the offense, though. The team is just barely average in that particular regard. They do have a top five defense, though. Uh, the way they have managed to stay afloat so far and yet not get any higher than they have been is they have earned draws in exactly half their league matches. Just incredible. Uh, key player to look for, top 10 league score is Levuyu Mamela. <clears throat> Excuse me. He is a veteran, 34-year-old winger. As far as the team's current form, not great right now. They are just 1-1-2 one, one, and two in across all competitions with just a 1-4 and four goal differential. Again, that offense has really got to get ramped up, especially against a team like Satif, because Morocco's league, or Tunisia's league rather, is strong. Uh, this city, by the way, is in the northeast part of the country, about 800,000 people, uh, founded as uh, Satif by ancient Romans who used it as a colony uh, for their war veterans. Kind of interesting historical side note. As far as the name of the city, discover that it comes from the Berber language, not Arabic, for black lands. Uh, not like South Dakota's black lands, where black is in dark like nothing can happen, but uh, referring to the darkness of the soil. This is a big agricultural region, grow a lot of uh, cereal grains. They are known as the Black Eagles, keeping with that theme. They were uh, green and white with their colors, but they uh, had a big run-in with the French army at some match uh, back in 1945, 
with a lot of injuries and deaths. And so they actually then and there changed their colors to black and white, very much to represent the sadness of that event. But it is still a beautiful crest, unlike, say, Juventus's, in my opinion, because the uh, sort of sketch shape, if you will, of the eagle that is part of it is still in gold. Very lovely. Uh, this is more of a traditional powerhouse in this country. They have won eight league titles, most recently 2016-17. They've also won this Champions League twice, most recently 2014. Their last appearance was in 2018, and they made the semifinals. So they've been out of it for a handful of years, but not too far back. Uh, they qualified for this event by finishing second place in their 2020-2021 uh, League One in their country. Uh, they were There were actually two matches to go, interestingly, in their league season when the deadline hit for being able to enter teams into the Champions League. So they could have dropped out of the top two, but still ended up going. But as it turned out over the last few matches, they still ended up in second place. Uh, this is the bottom team in pot number three. One of these two teams really needs to get three points out of this, probably to, at the very least, keep uh, keep pace with Raja Casablanca and get some nice distance again the other one. I think these two are probably going to draw, to be perfectly honest, and will be the two battling for second place and a uh, berth in the round of eight. Taking a look at how they're doing this year in league score, uh, league play rather, 2021-22 league season. They're in fifth place about halfway through the season. But like their opponents and where they are in their league standings, don't be fooled. They're in very good shape. Uh, they trail second place J.S. Saura by just two points right now. This is another team that has trouble on the offensive side so far. They are barely average in that regard, the ordinal rankings for the league statistically. They only average one goal per match. But... That's because they focus on defense. They are number one in that regard in the league, and they give up less than one goal per match. Key player to look for, uh, number one league scorer is theirs, believe it or not. This is the only guy who's apparently scoring for them is Ahmed uh, Kendusi. He is a midfielder, homegrown, 22 years old. He probably won't be here very long, even though this is one of the best leagues in Africa, because he is wanted in Europe. Celtic have been trying really hard to get a hold of this guy. Current form, they are 0-1-2 in their last three with just a 1-2 goal differential. Okay, person noob, this is going to be on you. First of all, I want to ask, we have stolen some other shows or person's mail. How do you feel? Do you feel like that what we've done is ethical or unethical, moral or immoral? Should we be stealing other people's mail and answering it? Maybe. I don't know. That's fair. There's a lot of gray area with something like this. I don't think the courts will prosecute us, do you? No. No? I think we're safe? Won't have the popo knocking on our door? No. <laughs> All right. So the question that we have stolen from the Brian and Me podcast that was meant for one of their uh, uh, friends who's involved with a team from Kansas City if you could put a new pro team, particularly, I believe, a women's team, anywhere in the country, where would you like to see a new team put? Somewhere in Kentucky where there is not a women's uh, team. Yeah, I don't think there are any uh, professional women's teams outside of Louisville. So we could go with uh, Lexington or maybe where we live. Maybe. Yep. Where do we live? We live in Richmond. Yeah, there's definitely no professional sports of any kind down here, are there? Just the college sports from Eastern Kentucky. Okay, what do you think that the team uh, should be called? The Kentuckians. 
Okay, a little bit on the nose, and yet I think that's kind of cool. And what do you think their colors should be? Purple and green. Purple and green, that sounds... I mean, I don't want to, uh, I, I, I asked you, so maybe it's not fair for me to critique, but purple and green, uh, that's either either like really hip and really cool or it'd be really, really gaudy. What, what do you, uh, why do you choose purple and green? Well, I think that like, I think that purple is kind of like a, a Kentucky color. And I think that a color that it really goes with is like green. Green. I could see you wearing purple and green. I think that'd be... Uh, I'm old, but I think that it could be very hip and very fashionable. Do you think I would look hip and fashionable in purple and green? Sort of. No. Would I look hip and fashionable in any colors? Yeah. Are you lying to me because you like to get money for Robux and stuff like that? No. <laughs> really? Okay. Wow. You're either telling the truth or you're a really, really uh, good fibber. But either way, I appreciate it. Well, person who thank you for taking part in Stolen Mailbag. We're going to steal your mailbag and the Pope Boy's going to come. <laughs> Match number B. Number two is bathroom talk, of course. Yes, daughter dears, do you have the right of it? Number B is the way to go. Join our revolution. But in this case, B could stand for brief, and B could also stand for the city, the capital city, in fact, of the country we're going to talk about. And that is Gambia. It's another Friday match. We're headed to their top flight, first division. To be perfectly honest, it's not even a ranked club within the African Confederation. They only do maybe at most two-thirds of uh, the country's league associations as far as giving them rankings. The others, I guess, by and large, just don't get enough international club competition to really be able to rate them properly. I think we'll see Gambia there before too long, though. In any case, they're almost halfway through the season, and only the champion gets to go to the Champions League. Nobody else from league play will get any other international berth. It is win or bust. And you know this show if you're a long-time listener. We go to any country, big or small, wherever the drama is. And this is one of the great races in the world, even though they are moderately early in their season. Our matchup, number three, Wa Banjul. There's your B, football, versus number B, Real de Banjul. Both teams playing out of the capital city. When I scouted it, this was a number B versus number one match. And in fact, there was a four-way tie for first at the moment. Here's how the table looks right now, though. Waladon lead uh, these two teams by one point in the table, but they have one and two matches in hand, respectively. And then there's another team, the Falcons, that are also just a point back and uh, they also have just they have one match in hand against the league leaders first a little bit about the city the capital Banjul it's not one I was particularly familiar with it's actually only the fourth biggest city in the country uh, the city proper is actually on an island called St. Mary's Island it's got about 31,000 people on it and it's got to be just scenic because that island sits right at the mouth of where the Gambia River empties into the Atlantic Ocean but then there's another like 375,000 people on the mainland that are all part of the greater metro. Also, if you've got allergies, you may not want to check it out because this whole country, not just the city, pretty much uh, almost exclusively relies on peanut production for their GDP. It is the economic producer there. Now, for the little bit I have on each of these clubs. First, your hosts, Wa Banjul. Uh, last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, they are undefeated. Uh, two of the four teams I mentioned are undefeated, uh, Waladan and this one. Uh, 
Uh, this is a fairly low-scoring league. That said, they have they are tied for the second-best offense. Uh, they're only tied for number one on defense, even though they give up uh, less than a goal every other match on average. As far as their current form, uh, they've only earned draws in their last two matches, although the last one was a pretty good one. It was a 1-1 draw at league leaders while it ended. Now, Real de, Real de Banjul, I've got a little bit more on them. The City Boys. Uh, this club was known as Real de Bathurst until 1970. In fact, that used to be the name of the city until they went to a less uh, European and more uh, local name. Uh, this is a bit more of a powerhouse, even though they haven't won the league title in recent years. They've got 12 of them. The last one was in 2014. And they are used to winning. They've been to the Champions League three different times, although I don't gather they've made any particular noise there. Last year, they finished in third place. This year, tied for number one on offense. They're actually scoring over two goals per match. One of the few clubs that could actually, I think, separate themselves a little bit. Normally, I like to go with defense travels, but I think any team that can score in this league is going to do well. I think it's going to come down to Waladon and uh, RDB here. And uh, their defense is only top five, but that's still fewer than one goal per match. Their current form, two and one in their last three, and their loss wasn't a bad one. That was at Waladon, where they lost one to two. Match number three. Only one Saturday match is on our agenda for match number three, and it is Columbus Crew versus Vancouver Whitecaps. Yes, the champs from two years ago taking on the fine gentleman from Canada. And speaking of fine gentlemen, uh, Team Noob is not going to be the one giving you this preview. Noob, not just character names. Uh, these are our lives. We haven't been soccer, following soccer that many years. We don't like to do our own previews until we're a few games into the season have kind of gotten our bearings, but we didn't want to ignore opening weekend. So we welcome the fine gentleman from the Bryant and Me con uh, podcast, which you can find on your best like Apple platforms anywhere. Encourage you to check out their show. They have a great love and a lot of knowledge, particularly when it comes to American women's football. Uh, but they are also great, great lovers of Columbus Crew, and hence the reason that we asked them to do this preview for us. Take it away, gentlemen. Brian Case, we are not recording for Brian and me right now. We're actually recording for the soccer noob across america esquire incorporated uh, it feels different being paid handsomely to do so by the way getting paid as handsomely as we are handsome so very <laughs> very yeah we're getting paid a lot well we're here to talk about a little preview of the columbus cruisers welcoming the vancouver whitecaps to lower.com field the dot which is what everybody calls it for the first MLS regular season match of the season. So, Bryant, uh, you've relocated to Charlotte, but the crew, what? how do, how do you kind of see the crew lining up for this season? What do you think the crew, are they going to be a, a formidable foe or are they going to be a, um, a scared little bunny rabbit like they were in 2021? I think you're going to see a return to form from the crew. Um, okay. I'm I'm coming into the season really confident. I think um, last season there were a lot of factors that led to the the lack of results. I think a lot of injuries, a lot of players in and out mm -hmm. uh, for um, international duty. Um, and you know, there's a stat that we've thrown out a lot of times on on our podcast, Bryant and Me, by the way, which you can enjoy on all fine 
podcast no, uh just keep listening to soccer noob that's platforms not, you don't need that <laughs> you don't need that kind of negativity in your life no um that they didn't play with a consistent lineup at any point last season no that there were not two games where they played the same lineup so when you aren't fielding the same lineup every week it's really hard to have that kind of ongoing chemistry and mm-hmm. to get really get comfortable with one another so i think just having everybody healthy for the most part and having your players available to play is going to be a huge deal for the team this year. I mean, they're, they're a team that, you know, I think we, we forget, especially if you check crew Twitter, uh, this is a team (laughs) that won the MLS cup the year before, like this is not some team that's had no recent success. So I I think this is, I think this is going to be a lot better season. I think, I think they're definitely a playoff team and I, I think they're a top half of the East type team, um, given the talent on the field. I would definitely agree with you. They had a lot of injury issues last year, and they were an MLS Cup winning team. Their defense especially had some problems where they gave up less than a goal a match in 2020, and then they jumped it up to like 1.35 or something like that in 2021. So injuries on the defensive line, never a good thing. I think this weekend – it's kind of weird now in MLS playing teams from the Western conference because it doesn't happen nearly as often anymore with all the teams that they have. We pretty much stay in the Eastern conference. So playing Vancouver, not a team that we have a lot of experience with over the last few years, luckily for the crew, the Vancouver Whitecaps are coming to Columbus because that's like a $5 million or 5 million mile journey to go to Vancouver. Um, But Vancouver, they're, they're no slouches. They are, Um, They were a playoff team last year. Unfortunately, first round of the playoffs, they kind of got, they kind of got beat up pretty badly by sporting Kansas city, but I think that motivates teams a lot. Um, So they're going to come to Columbus wanting to start off their season on the right foot. I think they might catch the crew off guard a little bit, but I I think Columbus has enough experience that they can withstand whatever Vancouver comes away. I think the crew are going to win though. One thing to watch are the plays down the wings, the plays down the sidelines, because one thing that crew likes to do in their offense, they like to overlap where the fullbacks are defenders. They like to bring them all the way pretty much up to the corner flag, run in front of the wingers, and they like combination play there on the edges where they can send it into the middle, gives Lucas on the number 10, a lot more space to move around. I think the crew at this point, watching them in the preseason, they can play like they can play. I I don't think that they're going to have to overcome a lot of issues with new people. The new folks they brought in are really experienced folks that have played in Europe. They're younger. They have that intensity. They were just playing European schedule. So they come in fit. It's going to be a good match. I think the crew are going to win, but um, I'm not just saying that as, as a biased person. Uh, I do think the crew are going to win this match. And I think they're coming into the season more motivated than ever yeah i think they think they've kind of got that chip on their shoulder right like Mm -hmm. they're a team that obviously won the cup a year you know hell we're still like a year a year away from it was barely a year over a year ago yeah them whole you know hoisting the the mls cup so hoisting is a fun word that is a hoist i like that so hoisting that cup aloft 
um so hey you're you're at where the day calendar is really working out for you. you i've been i've been doing some reading lately so oh. yeah i think this is a team that you know after struggling last year i think they want to get back on the right foot i think you've got some players that um want to maintain their their spots with you know world cup coming up this year mm-hmm. um you know everyone's favorite u.s men's national team player jossie zardas um is, everybody's literally everyone loves him everyone loves no one ever says anything negative about him on twitter i've never ever. heard a single person ever complain um so i think he you know wants to uh kind of maintain his spot with the team um headed into you know an important year internationally so i look for him to have a big season i look for him to want to get off uh, strong in front of a, a home crowd um, you know, it's Christmas. This will be the first Christmas at the new stadium. So yeah, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be an exciting, I think it's going to be a cool atmosphere there. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm pretty, I'm recovering from the media. So watch things on master report. I'm sure. I'll be tweeting stuff out from the Bryant me account at some point who knows when, uh, but yeah, thanks a lot for having us person noob first soccer noob second. We appreciate you allowing us on soccer noob rock in America. I'm rocking in a free world. Guys, thank you so much. And while I know you mean it playfully, as far as not having showered you with cash, uh, do want to let folks know so they can check it out for themselves. There's a cause I know you guys really believe in CRIS, Community Refugee and Information Service that helps refugees in Central Ohio. Uh, We here at the show will be making a donation on your behalf uh, to them. Thank you so much both for your preview and introducing us to the great work they do. Match number four. We can now flip our calendar to Sunday and jet set over to Europe. Croatia specifically, their top flight is the first football league, and they are ranked number 17 in all of UEFA as a league. They've got to get just a couple spots higher before they see some improvement as far as their international tournament berths. As things stand right now, their champion, of course, goes to the Champions League, but has to start all the way back in the first qualifying round. And then there are two teams that get automatic berths into the Europa Conference League, the new tertiary European tournament, they do get the good fortune to start in the second qualifying round. And like most of Central and Western Europe, they're about three quarters of the way through the season. Your matchup, number B, Osiek, taking on number one, Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, Dinamo right now lead by one in the table and have a match in hand. Osiek, in turn, lead Hajduk split by two. Split also has a match in hand. Uh, the recent series dominated by the current league powerhouse, uh, Dinamo Zagreb, 28-11-7 is a record in recent years. And this year, they've also had the best of it. At home, they earned a 1-1 draw, and on the road, they got a 0-2 win for their result. We'll talk about OCEC first. Um, I didn't find anything as far as an official nickname other than uh, the ones that always relate to various clubs' colors, but they do have some sort of... Uh, uh, it's a little long, but it looks like a skunk, to be perfectly honest, on their crest. I'm, I'm sure they're not the skunks. Uh, let's see. Uh, by the way, Osiek is the fourth biggest city in the country. It's got a bit over 100,000 people. It's in the far northeast part of the country. If it's facing, uh, if you're thinking west to east, Croatia kind of looks like a, a very evil-looking Pac-Man figure. And so it's on the uh, the far end of the north 
northeast part of that. Uh, this was a big industrial area for the country, but everything that they were doing kind of went on the decline in the 1990s. Now it's mostly an agricultural area. They have uh, never made the Champions League. A bit to my surprise, because it seems like in the few years I've been following footy, I always see their name kind of near the top. Best they've ever done internationally to date. Uh, they made the playoff round one year in the Europa League. That's the round right before uh, the event proper, the group stage. This year in the Europa Conference League, they lost in the third qualifying round. League play, last year they had their best ever finish, second place. This year looking quite good. Just a top four offense, a bit better on defense. Number B in that regard, giving up uh, less than one goal per match. Best player they've got going is a midfielder named Darko Nyazmic. He's 23 years old. I was a little bit surprised not to find any rumors on him as far as maybe moving a little bit further west in Europe. Um, he's incredibly good on crosses. He's got close to a 50% accuracy rate, which is absolutely phenomenal. One of the better ones I've ever seen. And he's got three goals to boot. As far as the team's current form, they have won three straight. Uh, not a great defensive effort, giving up full goal per match. But a 7-3 for the goal differential is pretty good. Will it be enough to hold off Dinamo Zagreb, rated as the number 30 club in all of UEFA? Give you some perspective. Uh, that puts them right on par with Sporting CP, one of the big three in Portugal, which I believe is ranked number six as a league. Uh, they've never been past the Champions League group stage, though they have been there multiple times. Uh, last year, 2021, was their best international uh, journey. They made the quarterfinals of the Europa League. Domestically, they are unrivaled. 22 league titles and are the four-time defending champions. Second best offense at over two goals per match. Number one D, number one goal differential. I, I see them getting at least a result out of this game against Osiek. To be perfectly honest, I think Hajduk split. Uh, they had a rough start to their season. I think they're, they're the second best team in the league, to be perfectly honest. And how will they be getting it done or who with? Well, they've got top 10 scorer on their side, Mislav Orsic, who uh, the last few years, interestingly, uh, after most of his career right there in Croatia, went over to South Korea for a couple of teams and then with a Chinese one in between. As far as their current form, they are 1-1-1, one, 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 their last three across all competitions, with a 2-3 goal differential. So the offense maybe just leaving them a little bit of worry right now. Match number five. More Sunday footy for you, and we skedaddle on west to England for the EFL Cup Final, the Carabao Cup. Now, what exactly is that? Just for our newer listeners who might not be quite as big of footy fans, here's how I want you to think of it. There's the Premier League, and then that's the most important trophy. And uh, this is the case with a lot of countries, by the way. And then they have their FA Cup, which in England, and we've done some coverage of this, is the teams from the Premier League and then all the leagues all the way down through like the 10th level. It's really national in scope and just awesome. And then you have an event that not everybody is quite as crazy about. It is sort of the third ranked trophy, the EFL or sponsored the name Carabao Cup. Now, the main reason I'm mentioning this is number one, because the final has two really big teams in it. You can't say no to a Chelsea versus Liverpool match. We've got to at least mention it to have any pride in what we do here. Plus, unlike virtually every other uh, nation on the planet, they actually have an international berth. Rather than giving the Europa Conference League berth, automatically to their uh, sixth place team in England, they have actually decided to allot it to the EFL finalist. 
But it really doesn't matter because Chelsea and Liverpool are 99.9% certain to earn a much better international bid uh, through league play, not to mention the possibility for F FA Cup. So uh, the fact that these two teams made the final, the team that's celebrating the most right now is West Ham because they're in sixth place in the Premier League. And therefore, if things were to stop right now, uh, they would be the ones who got to go on to Europe and wouldn't get there any other way. I don't believe that they're still alive in the FA Cup anyway. But I'm not going to do a full mini preview on this one, to be perfectly honest. We get lots of chances at teams like Chelsea and Liverpool. And this is one of those tournaments I just want to say that a lot of people wish would go away between the international tournaments and between the league play and the FA Cup. And then, you know, Chelsea was even in the FIFA World Cup. You start to get something called match congestion. And once you start to hit that with events like this, they might not even be trying to play all their starters. That takes some of the luster off it. Or if they do, that can actually reduce the quality of the play potentially when they're playing in those bigger events. So uh, we will say good luck to Chelsea and Liverpool for winning the trophy and move right on to... Soccer Noob Maybe Kitten Whisperer Pro. You betcha. They're trying to tell us they want a recap of last week's matches. We shall give them what they crave. Match number one from last week, a Saturday match from the African Champions League. Number four, Galaxy took on number three, a 12 du Sahel. And the result was a 1-1 draw. Good for Galaxy, the bottom uh, most likely finisher from this particular group. They got their equalizing goal in the 91st minute. No change in the table position. They're still in third and fourth place, respectively. Sunday, match number B from Austria's Bundesliga. We had number one Salzburg taking on number B, Wolfsburger AC. Unsurprisingly, Salzburg came out on top 2-0. This is really their league. Although, interestingly, they did not score either of their goals until after the 90th minute. And our USA connection. Brendan Aronson, he scored the second one. No change in table position for these two. Match number three from Andorra's Primera Divisio was number one, Interclub Descalde, taking on uh, number B, Athletic Club Descalde, and the result was for ICE, the home team. They won two to one. Uh, Damus had, or uh, in-house prognosticator, Nutradamus, Damus as we like to call him, uh, he had predicted a nil one win the other way. Better luck next time, almighty soothsayer. No change in table position here. Match number four, we took a visit to Nicaragua, their uh, Primera División, they're in the Clausura stage there. Number one, Dirion. Hen took on number B, Managua, and it was Managua coming out on top, nil two. And unlike in our other matches so far, we did see a switch in the table position. Managua are your new number one. Monday, match number five for the African Women's Cup of Nations, basically the Women's AFCON qualifying tournament. Algeria took on South Africa and it went to a 1-1 draw. And so, uh, Based on tiebreakers, it is South Africa that will advance to the event proper. Oh, not on tiebreakers. It was because South Africa won the first leg of this two-legged tie, 2-0. There we go. Tuesday, match number six from the UEFA Champions League, round of 16, leg one, Villarreal versus Juventus. The result was a 1-1 draw. Uh, man of the match possibility that uh, we were told to look for by our friend Sal from over at Field Talk Pod. Uh, he, in fact, did get a goal, Dusan Vlahovic. Match number seven from the CONCACAF Women's Championship qualifying events. St. Kitts and Nevis 
took on Curacao, and it was St. Kitts and Nevis in a blowout. They won 5-1. to one. So uh, they remain alive, possibly to get promoted at number three. Curacao are now mathematically eliminated and should finish last in the group. Wednesday, match number eight from UEFA's Women's World Cup qualifying group stage. Number four, Turkey took on number three, Serbia, and the result, unsurprisingly, because there's not a lot of parity in the game on the women's side a lot of times, the Serbian women came out on top two to five. No change in table position, but for all intents and purposes, that knocks Turkey out of the running. Serbia still trail Portugal by a goal. They are in second place and represent the last chance of survival for Serbia. Match number nine from India's Super League. Number one, Hyderabad took on number four, Kerala Blasters. And Hyderabad cemented their league position with a 2-1 win. That knocked the Blasters down to number five. Match number 10 from CONCACAF's uh, own Champions League round of 16, the second leg, Colorado Rapids from Major League Soccer, uh, taking on Comunicaciones, and it was Comunicaciones advancing. Uh, Colorado actually won the game 1-0. That made the aggregate 1-1, and then Comunicaciones ended up winning everything 4-5 on penalty kicks and getting to advance in the upset. And then our bonus match was with explanations to come later. A Saturday match from the Bermudian Premier League. Number 11, Somerset Eagles took on number one, Dandy Town Hornets, our show favorite and listener favorite. And it was the big bad Dandy Dickies coming out on top, nil one. We thought that would be a little bit more of a blowout, but they did get the W. And then the most meaningless match in the world, you chose a Saturday match from Tanzania. The Ligi Kubara, or Premier Division, was Gaita Gold taking on Coastal Union and Red hot guy to gold stayed hot continuing their climb towards who knows maybe being able to get into an into a non-meaningless match eventually if they reach the top of the table they won two nil that put them up to number six that knocked coastal union down to 10 out of the 16 teams in this league and then finally your match of disappointed from french polynesia the tahitian league one a sunday match number 11 excelsior took on last place as mataia and both were winless, but that has changed. Excelsior came out on top 2-1, to one, but that was not good enough to move them up out of the relegation part of the table and into 10th place. There was no change for either of these two. That concludes your recap from last week. Now let's get back in to tracking the upcoming week's matches with... Match number six. More Sunday action, more European drama. This time we slide on over to Slovenia, where the top flight is the first league. It's only rated number 31, a little bit below average in Europe, but as always, we go where the high drama is. They get one Champions League berth and two Europa Conference League berths, and they're uh, just a little bit shy two-thirds of the way through the season as they continue their quest to complete their quadruple round robin. This is only a 10-team league. Matchup we're going to look at, this is a Another great race. We've actually had a lot of these the last two weeks. Number three in the table, Olympia Lube. Ljubljana, very difficult for me to say. It's got the L and then the J as a Y sound in there two different times. Versus number B, Koper. Much easier for me to say. Uh, taking a look at the table, Maribor are your league leaders, perennial power. They've got 42 points. Uh, 
more of the newcomers here, uh, Coper, they are just a point back. And then Olympia Ljubljana, we're just going to call them Olympia from here on out. They are only one more point back at 40. Uh, Olympia have had the best of it in the series in the recent years between these two with an 18-8 and 12 record. And they have won uh, or rather lost both matchups. It is Coper that has come on, out on top in the first two. At home, they won 3-2. to two, And then on the road at Olympia, they won 1-3. to three. And let's talk about Olympia first. They are known as the Dragons. Ooh, very intimidating. Uh, founded in 2005, sort of. Uh, if you were to look at their crest, you would actually see that it's got the date 1911 on it because they claim a connection to a much, much older area club that they seem to say they have taken over for. It's actually got a lot of critics because of that. They say there really isn't any connection other than just general geography. Uh, <laughs> the government came in once and said, hey, you know what? The old club that you claim connection to uh, still owes, like the government or creditors, uh, 200,000 pounds or euros. And then they've suddenly backed off on that from an official standpoint but they still put 1911 on their crest. In any case, back to the footy proper. Uh, they've got two league titles historically, uh, most recently 2017-2018. This year in the Europa Conference League, they made it all the way to the third qualifying round. Best international finish they've ever had was uh, just a couple of years back, 2018-2019. They made the playoff round of the Europa League. Uh, last year, they finished in third place in the league, hence their ECL berth. This year, doing quite well, but uh, the offense struggles a little bit, below average. They're only number six in the league in that regard. Second best offense, though, they only uh, they don't even give up one goal per game. What scoring they do get largely comes at the feet of Mustafa Nukic. He is a forward who, interestingly, uh, played for Copper uh, back in the 2014 season. Team's current form, uh, doing very well. They're 4-1-0 in their last five. And now Copper, K-O-P-E-R, by the way, the Canaries. Love that mascot. A church league uh, softball team I played for in my youth and young adult years. We had that unofficial nickname. Uh, the city is the same name as the club. It is in the far southwest of the country. It's only the fifth biggest town in the entire country. It's only got probably a bit over 25,000 people. About 100 years ago or so, you could still find that 90% of this town actually still spoke Italian exclusively or as a primary language. And it's still spoken by a vast, uh, vast number of the population there. It's also an important port city for moving lots of goods between Asia and Europe. As far as the footy, just one league title to the credit, 2009-2010. Uh, they've had a very troubled history, to be perfectly honest. A lot of financial difficulties on and off over the years. One of many clubs in this country that's had to be saved by the fans until uh, you know, other benefactors came in. In fact, in 2016-17, and I don't know for sure but uh, I do know uh, why, but I do know they failed to obtain a license. It was probably because of money. So they had to get demoted all the way back to like the regional or the fourth level. And then every single year since that happened, they've been promoted back up until they re-reached the top flight last year. Last year, they only finished in ninth place, uh, I guess, because of COVID might be the only reason they weren't demoted. 
uh, down to uh, the secondary division again. Number one offense this year, though, they have really shored that up. Uh, the defense is just average, second-best goal differential overall. Number one scorer in the league is there's the Bosov, Max Barishik. He is their right winger. Interestingly, before now, he's 26, but he's played for nothing but Serie C clubs over in Italy before coming to the top flight over here. As far as the team's current form, they just lost in their last match to Domzale. And that broke a seven-match unbeaten streak, although it's worth noting that in that streak, the defense was still their bugaboo. Only the first of those seven matches was one in which they kept a clean sheet. Match number seven. Yet another Sunday match. The tail end of your weekend is absolutely chock full of wonderful matches. And this time, it's Spain where we're dancing off to, where number B, Sevilla, in the table is taking on number three, Real Betis. Uh, let's take a look at the table. Uh, Real Madrid have things largely in hand right now. They've got 57 points. Sevilla have 51, per perfectly settled into second right now. Uh, Real Betis, they have 46. And then there are two teams at 42. So there's still just enough season, about a third left for there to be some movement. But to be perfectly honest, the drama and the stakes here are not quite as high as they could be because the top four teams are all going to get to go to the Champions League. So what better a time when talking about a big match like this, but without perhaps quite the heightened stakes that we normally look for, then to figure out how we might be able to win some money on it. Yes, a little bit later in the episode than usual, but it is time to learn how to gamble on this one, get a prediction from our 3,500-year-old in-house soothsayer, Noobstradamus. He is sure to have another drug-addled vision in store for us, and we can't wait to find out what he believes is going to happen. Take it away, almighty diviner. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece. Tis I... Here to use my unnatural power to touch the universal infinite for a soccer score. Seems like underuse, but let's do it. Calm from my usual ingestion of lotus leaf smoke and fresca, I travel once more through space and time. Back to the year 1284, I waken my vision in Seville. I'm in front of his Alcazar, a city palace. I knock, knowing who will greet me inside. Fonzi! Ayy! His attendants would have referred to him far more formally as Alfonso X, King of Castile and Leon. But they are gone, as are all his allies, here at his end. He has lost this bitter civil war, put upon him by his unfavored second son, Sancho. After Alfonso's first son died, he preferred a grandson for heir. But not Sancho, and worse, not the nobles. He dictated his last will and testament to me, an honor for an old mortal friend. He left Sancho out for the good that would do. He also said his heart was full of love for the city, which had not abandoned him at the end. 
He wrote N-O-8-D-O and retired. Written with Sinalefa, combining multiple syllables or words into one, I knew the meaning in a moment. Nome ha dejado, with the eight representing the middle portion. It remains the city motto to this day, visible from flag to manhole colors. Sevilla, she has not abandoned me. As I wake from the vision, N-O-8-D-O. Sevilla will win this day 8-0. I have seen and I have spoken. Match number eight. This is our last Sunday match of the bunch. And we're going to stay in Europe, but this time we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, Instead of staying with a top flight league, I do also track the secondary uh, leagues of all the best leagues in Europe, the top four, and they have got an amazing race going on in the second Bundesliga in Germany. Two teams out of this league are going to be automatically promoted, and then the third place team will have a chance to move up if they can win a promotion qualification match against one of the lower-rung teams from the first Bundesliga. The match we're going to look at is a number B versus number one. Number B, Hamburger SV, playing host to number one, Werder Bremen. And this is called the Norderby, or Northern Derby, as uh, these are the two uh, substantially sized city in the northern reaches of the country. Historically, uh, Werder Bremen lead overall, no matter what division or league they've been in, uh, with a total tally of 57 wins against 54 losses. They've also drawn 44 times. So very even, just like you would want a good rivalry to be. And by the way, you can catch this at 7.30 in the morning on ESPN+. Plus. Taking a look at the table, just packed tight like sardines. Werder Bremen have 42 points. Hamburg and two other clubs are only one point back at 41. There's another club with 40. And things as you go down the table actually aren't all that distance. There's still a couple of teams that could, you know, make a run. Dark horses at this point because they would have teams to leapfrog. This year, these two teams have already played once and Hamburg won on the road, nil two. Uh, overall, for the most recent series, Werder Bremen have had the best of it with a 9-2-6 and six record. Let's talk about Hamburg first. They are known as the Dinosaur, just uh, because of their age, quite frankly. It's a very old club. They're also known as the Red Shorts, which I find interesting. You know, they're uh, their home kit is uh, white and red, but I'm not quite sure why, because there's no red, at least on the crest, whatsoever. This team might be in the second division right now, but they are a founding member of the first Bundesliga. In fact, they've never played anywhere else until the 2017-18 season, after which they were relegated. At one time, in fact, at least according to Forbes magazine, this was considered within uh, the top 20 clubs in the entire world. They have won the top flight title six times. Uh, Most recently was 1982-83, which I'm all but 100% sure was pre-Bundesliga, uh, them naming it that. Uh, they also won what is now called the Champions League uh, that very same year. But they started having money issues in the early 1990s, and uh, that started a very, very slow decline sort of ever since. Uh, last year, they finished in fourth place in this league, so they nearly made it back to the first Bundesliga. This year, the offense has good, been good. The offense is, or the defense rather, has been excellent. They don't give up even one goal per game, and they've got the number one overall goal differential. For better or worse, because uh, 
you know, not having watched every game, you don't know if they're blowing lead, you know, blowing leads or playing catch up at the end or what the makeup of the games is. But this team, for better or worse, has 11 draws, and that is basically twice as many as any of the other teams at the top of the table. I've got to wonder when at some point that might come back to bite them, yet they've got that number one goal differential. So it's hard not to think of them as the favorite, particularly at home today. Key player to look for, tied for number three in scoring in the league, is Robert Glatzel. He is their striker. Uh, English fans might remember him. He played for Cardiff City back uh, 2019 through 2021. The first of those years, maybe they were in the Premier League, but I think those were all championship years. As far as the team's current form, they are 2-1-0 in their last three with a very shiny 8-1 goal differential. And now coming to town is Werder Bremen out of the free Hanseatic state of Bremen, which is the smallest of the 16 states in Germany. In fact, basically, it's just a two-city state. Uh, the city of Bremen has maybe 600,000 people uh, known throughout history as a very working-class uh, city. Four Bundesliga titles for the credit. That's first Bundesliga. It's been about 18 years since they last won one, though. Best international play they've ever done, 2008-2009. They finished runners-up in what is now the Europa League. Last year, they were in the Bundesliga, the first Bundesliga, that is, but they got uh, uh, relegated. They finished in 17th. This year, very well-balanced. I never feel like I see the teams that are well-balanced doing quite as well as the teams that are either really strong on offense or really strong on defense. But something in my soul wants this to be, you know, the, the team that does it. They're number four on offense, number three on defense. Teams that can get it done either way. Key man to look for, tied for number six in league scoring, is Marvin Duksch. He is a striker who spent a little bit of senior time uh, in his two years with Borussia Dortmund, but mostly he has been with uh, yo-yo teams between uh, the first and second division. As far as their current form, uh, they had won seven straight matches before their last match, which was a very curious draw at home versus, of all teams, last place Ingolstadt interesting to see how costly that lack of a result was. Match number nine. New bites, you get Monday off after a weekend like that, particularly since a chock-full Sunday. And so we skip ahead to Tuesday for the next of our 10 best matches from around the world. Match number nine, this is the third week in a row we visited them because this is one of the best races going. India's Super League. They are rated number 17 in the AFC, so nearly within the top third. And that's sort of their reading... Uh, uh, cumulatively, if you will, with the I-League. They have two code number one leagues in India. This particular league gets one Champions League berth, and then their runner-up might end up getting to go to the AFC Cup, depending on some things. And they would get started in the playoff round, one round short of the event proper. The teams at the top only have two to three matches left. Some of the lower ones have, uh, are even closer to the end of their season, so things are getting very serious. The matchup we're going to look at briefly, number one, Hyderabad versus number B. They have climbed up, now one of the teams we talked about the last couple of weeks, Jemshade Per. Uh, looking at the table, Hyderabad, they've got 35 with just two matches left to play. Uh, Jemshadpur have uh, 34 points. They're just one point back, but they've also got one match in hand, and that is critical. And then just three more points back, still ready to play Dark, Dark Horse's ATK Moen Bagan. They've also got a match in hand on Hyderabad, and they have 31 points. And as is customary for this time of the show, 
That's all you're going to get out of us for this particular match. You can look up the rest yourself because we not only enjoy soccer, we like to learn about the world through learning about soccer. And one of the things that I like to look at best is food with the long O. And in fact, the food we're going to look at is Faluda. Coincidence? Yeah, probably a coincidence, but it was a dessert that I uh, have seen before and found a recipe for, and it just looks oh so good, even though this isn't the time of year that it would be most traditionally enjoyed. This is a very cooling dessert. Faluda. First, we'll start the ingredients you're going to want in case you're not familiar. Uh, basil seeds uh, might be known as uh, sabja seeds or even faluda seeds if you're getting them from an international market here in the States. Milk, sugar, faluda sev, although basically you can use a vermicelli. It's going to be a fairly thin, long spaghetti-like noodle. You're going to want something called rose syrup, and we're going to make ours with ice cream on top. And then you're going to want for some garnishing some pistachios and rose petals, which are purely for the aesthetics. I don't believe you're supposed to eat those. Doesn't seem like a dessert, let alone salad ingredient. Our preparation, you're going to start off by needing to soak those basil seeds because they're not there for aesthetic purposes. We're actually going to be eating these. Uh, they'll need to soak for at least a half hour. Then you can drain them. While you're doing that, your milk and sugar, put those in a pan, boil on medium heat for a while, and then lower the heat and let it simmer for just a few minutes. Then, really quick, chill it in the refrigerator. The whole point of this is that you want the uh, concoction to get fairly thick. Now, you can basically follow the directions for how to make your noodles, uh, whether you're using vermicelli or falutasev, based on the package. But essentially, the principle is this. You're going to boil them in a pan uh, and then let it all cook for four, maybe five minutes. Drain it and then rinse it very quickly with cold water immediately. You want to stop the cooking. Then you're going to take your scissors and cut about one inch pieces because this is going to look more or less like a shake by the time you're done. If you've never seen it before, this whole concoction sort of, uh, it crosses the bridge between being a beverage and a uh, spoon dessert, if you will. Now, everything is ready. You've got your soaked babelsel seeds, your chilled milk and sev, and you're ready to put it together. Take two glasses, add a spoonful of the basil seeds to each. Then you put the faluda sev or vermicelli on top. And then the key ingredient, in my opinion, you're going to add the rose syrup, which is a very naturally cooling ingredient for the body, even when it itself is not necessarily cold. Then you pour the milk in. If you, uh, if you prep those properly, a lot of those seeds are actually going to float to the top, make a very even mixture throughout. Then you can add your ice cream on top and your pistachios and rose petals. Don't let this get even a little bit towards room temperature. You're going to want to serve it immediately. So the next time that you're in India or at a place where you can simply get some sort of Indian food, if you don't just want to go and get it and make it yourself, I hope I will have encouraged you to dry this local dish. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Yes, daughter, dearest, at least your countdown duties are finally done. Don't forget, though, that we have our three super fun bonus matches after match number 10, which is another Tuesday match. And we head back to Europe one more time. This time it is the FA Cup over in England where they have reached the round of 16, the fifth round. Now, normally we go minnow watching, which means we're going to talk about the team from the lowest tier still left from the English pyramid in this event. Two weeks ago, when we last covered this event, that was Borum Wood from the fifth tier, and they are far and away the lowest tier team left. But number one, we've talked about them, and number two, I don't believe that they actually play again until March 7 in this event. So we're going to talk about 
the lowest team that I think has a shot to win that's still left alive, and that is Middlesbrough out of the championship, the second level. They get to play host to dreaded, someday I'll talk about why we dread them here, Tottenham Hotspur. Best chance on paper for an upset this week, in our opinion. Uh, they have played a few times recently. Tottenham Hotspur have a more or less perfect record, 3-1-0. and oh. We won't talk about the Hotspur, but we will talk about the team that we're less likely to know very much about. Middlesbrough. Make sure to pronounce it bro and not burrow to get it correctly. They are in North Yorkshire, which is in the northeast part of England. City of about 150,000. In, well, in the city proper, the Greater Metro has a good 375,000. That's if you're including uh, Teesside and Greater Eston, as you should. Uh, this city, by the way, was founded as a uh, basically it formed around a Benedictine priory, and therefore it got its name from being more or less a midpoint between two different holy sites, Durham and Whitby. I don't gather that's why the priory was there. I think it was just more a matter of coincidence. Historically, this is a port town uh, that deals a lot with steel and iron, uh, both mining it and smelting. Actually, because of this, there was, and to a degree still is, a huge Welsh presence in the town. At the same time, historically, that the Welsh were making their big uh, migratory push to the U.S., a lot of them were also coming here almost exclusively from the south of Wales, actually, people who had... in. Uh, a lot of interest and experience in mining and metalwork in general, since it was already so prominent in this area. Back to the footy. Middlesbrough has won the division, uh, the second division, four different times. It's been a little while, though. 1994-95 was the last time they hoisted that trophy. Uh, the FA Cup, the very next year, 1996-97, they actually made it all the way to the final before losing. So they've got some history in the, this event. The, the fans certainly won't be new to it, and I think a lot of that can carry over to the players. Uh 2005-06, they finished runners-up in what is now the Europa League. It's changed names since they were in it. Uh, this year in the championship, they are just in seventh place right now, but you only have to finish in the top six to at least have a chance of being promoted. They're only one point behind Sheffield United for the sixth and last promotion playoff spot. Statistically, uh, the offense is only a little bit above average, to be perfectly honest, but the defense is top four. They only give up one goal per match on the dot. I think their best all-around player is probably Patrick McNair. He's their center back from Northern Ireland. Plays center back, but really plays everywhere. Box-to-box guy. Four goals, uh, two assists, no statistical weaknesses whatsoever, except for maybe crossing accuracy on the offensive end. And then the uh, defensive side of things, his duties, he tends to get a lot more interceptions than he really does blocking shots. I don't think he's one of those uh, big blocky defensive stalwarts. Doesn't play that particular way, at least. Uh, Man United fans will might remember him well from 2014 through 16. He was on the senior squad. Senior squad made a little over uh, two dozen appearances for the senior team. And he's got 52 national team caps actually in Northern Ireland. So this is a guy that's used to the pressure. As far as the team's current form, they are 2-0-1 in their last three with a 7-4 goal differential. In fact, they haven't had a clean sheet in their last five. And that's why I think of Hotspur actually really truly want to win this as an organization. And in other words, they're putting Harry Kane out there. I think even other old Hotspur are easily going to be your favorites. Nevertheless, we will be pulling for the home team here at Team Noob. Bring forth the bonus matches! 
okay, I've been told that we're done with the shenanigans by the management and that, in fact, we did and do have a sponsor. And so we will use them to bring in and bring forth the bonus matches. So here we go. The bonus matches are brought to you by... Gazprom. You need us more than you know. Oh, holy Mary, mother of God. I have such a headache now. Near the beginning of every week, Team Noob puts out polls on Twitter with candidate matches for each of these three. You can find us on Twitter at Soccer Noob USA. Each of these three bonus matches have their own special criteria that are a whole bunch different than anything the rest of the show. You'll find out. Our first one is a first versus last place matchup that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week. Week, week, week. And the one that you have selected out there in listener land is a Wednesday match between number one Ararat Armenia. Yeah, we're heading to the Armenian top flight versus number nine in last place BKMA. They would probably be in 10th, but Savan got kicked out of the league probably for money. I'm not really sure why. In any case, they're in last place. This league is ranked low enough in the European coefficients that they get the bare minimum when it comes to international berths. They'll just get one Champions League berth and then two Europa Conference League berths. Here's how the table looks. Ararat Armenia lead second best Punic by 11. So they've all but got the league mathematically wrapped up pretty much. And then on the other end of things, BKMA trail second to last place at Noravank by four. So it's not looking great for them, but there's still enough time for them to catch up, even if it's unlikely that they will start that process today because the two teams have already played twice and unsurprisingly, Ararat got the best of it both times. They won 2-1 at their own place and then they uh, got a 2-3 shutout. So at least we know, or not shutout, but win on the road. At least we know the BKMA can score against them. Could we eventually see an upset? Well, probably not since it's at Ararat Armenia and we'll talk about the host first. They play out of the capital city of Yerevan and were founded just in 2017 and under a different name, so they've already changed. Uh, FC uh, Avon or Avon, A-V-A-N Academy. And then in 2018, they were taken over by a Russian businessman and got businessmen and renamed to Ararat Moskva or Moscow. Then they got promoted to the top flight after 2017-2018 and took on their current name, Ararat Amenia. And in their very brief stay in the top flight so far, they've already won the title twice, most recently 2018-2019. That said, last year they only finished in fifth place. This year, the stats back up their title chase. Best offense scoring over two plus, uh, two plus per match. Number one defense by lots. They've only given up 11 goals in 17 matches. And this is otherwise a fairly high scoring league. And they've got the overall number one goal differential by a factor of over two compared to the second best team. Uh, possible man of the match, most likely. Number B league leading scorer, Malison Lima. He is from the Netherlands, plays winger for them. He's Dutch by birth, but he actually reps uh, internationally uh, for Cape Verde. And he's got one appearance for them back in 2018. Team's current form, they are 6-1-0 in their last seven. And if that's as if that's not intimidating enough, they have not conceded a goal in any of their last five matches. And now your roadkill in waiting, BKMA. 
which uh, I won't bother you with the native tongue of it, but it stands for Central Sport Club of the Army. Yep, it's their military team. Uh, they actually got promoted to Division One after the 1995-96 season, and then the next year, uh, it was probably money, not just the pressure of it or something, but they folded halfway through the very next season, and then this club did not exist in any form until 2019 once again. By the way, they also play out of the capital of Yerevan. Last year, uh, they finished second place in the second division, and so they've just been re-promoted, and they're probably going to go right back down. Uh, they've only earned a couple of wins so far in the year, as well as one draw. The offense is pretty bad. They don't even manage a goal per match, but their defense, oof duh. They've, <laughs> they give up over two goals per game, just unspeakably horrible, and they've got the worst goal differential in the league. I'd love to tell you who to look for for a man-of-the-match possibility, but uh, what little hope they have gets spread around offensively between a lot of guys. Nobody on the team has more than three goals. As far as the team's current form, they actually just did manage a draw at Noravank, and that snapped a three-match losing streak for them. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. Yes, for our second bonus match, we're going to talk about two teams that nobody else is talking about because they're smack dab in the middle of the table, perfectly equidistant from the glory of international bursts and the shame that would be getting relegated. And it is a Saturday match you have voted on out of Tanzania, the Premier League there, where they're halfway through the season. This is a highly enough thought of league by the African Confederation that they get two Champions League bursts. And then their third place team also goes to the Confederation Cup, which is their version of the Europa League. On the other end of the spectrum, at the bottom, the bottom two are going to get relegated, and the next two teams up in the standings will have to fight for their Premier League lives through relegation playoff matches, either against each other uh, and or uh, teams from the second division. Not really sure which. In any case, they would be in danger. The matchup we're going to look at, number nine, Kinondoni versus number eight, Polisi Tanzania, the police team. Uh, They're tied at 19 points at the table, these two. Both of them are five points out of third place, uh, which is where Azam FC is. And they're also uh, four points ahead of number 13, one of the relegation playoff teams, Ruvu Shooting. These two have played once already this season, and it was uh, the police team that won 2-0. But can they get it done on the road against Kinondoni? Let's talk about the latter first. Uh, Kinondoni is uh, usually seen abbreviated as Kinondoni MC. And the MC stands for Municipal Council. They play out of the city of Dar es Salaam, which is the largest city in the country, though not the capital. It is the financial hub. And then Kinondoni specifically is one of the five city districts. It's the coastal one, fairly well-to-do, has about a million people and change. The club is fairly young. They were just founded in 2014, I think, but take it with a grain of salt that they came up in 2018 to the top flight. Last year, they finished in fifth place. This year, the stats back up just where they are. They've got middle-of-the-road offense and defense, goal differential. Team-leading score uh, has four goals. Guy to look for would be uh, Matteo or Matteo Simon. He's a Tanzania product. Or, uh, yeah, Tanzania product. Team's current form, they are 2-3-0 and in their last five, moving on up with a 7-3 goal differential. 
And now, Polisi, Tanzania, they play out of the city of Moshi. We mentioned it last week in the Kilimanjaro area of the country. 200,000 people in the city. It's in the northeast part of the nation. And it's settled in right on the lower slopes of, the, of Mount Kilimanjaro itself. Interesting side note about that. The whole country is really known for its banana production and its coffee. But particularly in regards to the coffee, the Moshi area does not uh, grow basically any of it because uh, just the climate is all wrong in that particular part of the country alone. Uh, instead, their agricultural development is more along the lines of a maize, beans, and sugar cane. Let's get back to the pitch. Last year, they were number six in the league on said pitch. And uh, they, unlike their opponents this year, uh, are not kind of run-of-the-mill across the offense and the defense. Their offense, uh, not good at all, well in the lower half of the league. But their defense is top three, which is usually a sign of good things to come. Uh, what scoring they do get is largely at the feet of Vitalis Mayanga, homegrown attacker with six goals already. And I say that the defense should be a good signing, yet looking at their current form, they're very much on the slide. 0-2-5 in their last seven. And uh, as usual, the offense has been a problem. Just a 6-3 and three, uh, or 3-6 goal differential. And normally we like to kind of find uh, two perfectly average players, but it was going to be really hard to determine that for a league like this for the most meaningless match. So instead, I will give you a most meaningless fact that I found out about uh, the particular area where this is being played, Dar es Salaam. Uh, Marin Hinkle, the actress who played John Cryer's character's wife on Two and a Half Men, was born in the city of Dar es Salaam. Hmm. To American parents, I think they were educators, but in any case, she actually moved to the U.S. when she was just four months old, which is part of why this is mostly just incredibly meaningless as a fact. And now, dear New Bites, we have truly reached the end of our podcast row, the 13th match, the third bonus match, and as usual, we will not end things on notes of happiness or joy, but rather with scorn, with wailing and gnashing of teeth, teams that truly deserve to be treated the way we are about to treat them. This is the match of... Disappointed! And the one that you have voted is a Thursday match. If you can even bear to look at these two teams, look at these two teams, person noob. Are they not worthy to be ostracized by us once we have already talked about them? No. No, they're not worthy of that? Well, they shouldn't be in the match of Disappointed then. They should be in the match. Yeah, boo. Okay, well, who do we got here? We're going to a Thursday match, the very end of our podcast, Soccer Week, to the Kuwait Premier League. That's a little country in the Middle East, very well-to-do with oil money. It is the number 16-ranked league in all of the AFC. That's up six from a year ago. Big jump for them. They're about halfway through their double-round-robin season, and it's not that long a season. They've only got 10 teams. We're not even going to worry about how many teams are going to get to go um, into, like, the Champions League or the AFC Cup because are those teams worthy of that sort of goodness in their lives? No. No, why not? Because they're disappointing. That's right. Do they what do they do? They disappoint life. They disappoint life. In the past you've told me that teams like this make the baby Jesus cry. Have we determined that that might be a little too harsh? No. No, do they do make the baby Jesus cry? <laughs> if baby Jesus was still alive. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, anyway, the two teams we're going to look at are number 10 in last place, your Mo. I, I help 
prep her a little bit, but not too much when it comes to stuff like this. So that's my girl. Number 10, Yarmo, and they are taking on number nine, Al Tadhaman. I'm going to pronounce it T-A-D-H-A-M-O-N. Uh, Yarmo uh, currently lead uh, Tadhaman by two, and they trail the number eight team, Fahahil, by Oh, gosh, I forgot to note how many points. Well, these two are probably going to be the ones that go down anyway. Oh, well. Earlier this season when they played, Tahaman won 2-1. to one. Let us discuss, if we must, Yarmo first. They are from an area called uh, Mishrif, which is a residential area of Kuwait City in the east central part of the country. Uh, the Hawali government, uh, government is what it's called. But actually, this is not where the club was founded. Uh, they are the only club in the country that was actually founded anywhere off their mainland. They were uh, they got their start on a little island called Falaka Island, about uh, 12 miles out into the ocean. Uh, this was, island is really strategically well placed because, and uh, therefore, it's been a key to trade in this part of the world for over 6,000 years. But uh, after the club had been formed, uh, came the early 90s, and therefore the Persian Gulf War. <laughs> And this island got the heck knocked out of it. And so the club had to move to the mainland. Uh, there was just no way to you know, transport them to and from the island consistently. Uh, looking a little bit back in the area's history, Alexander the Great used to call it uh, Ikaros or Ikaros. And there are actually Greek ruins there. Uh, in fact, the club's colors and crest, which has a column on it that I believe is Ionic, uh, are that way as an homage to the Greek history that is part of this area. Last year, I found two different sources. One source says that they finished in second place of some sort of five-team group or league that is in the second division and therefore got promoted. And yet I found another source that was a little more clear, I'm more likely to believe this, that says uh, that they finished 14th in the first division, should have been relegated, but for some reason wasn't, probably due to COVID. But in any case, the league went down from 15 teams to 10 teams, so you still would have thought that they would be one of them. little mystery there. This year in 11 matches, the team only has one win and a couple of draws. Uh, the offense is bad. The defense is even a little bit worse. They don't do much of anything well. Uh, looking desperately to get out of there into a better team probably is their best player, tied for number three in scoring, Carlos Rivas from Colombia. He's an attacker. Uh, CONCACAF fans, specifically those uh, from Mexico, might recognize his name. But you have to be familiar with uh, Corey Caminos UAT. Yeah, second division team from Mexico. Liga de Expansión MX. He played for them in 2017-18. Nice little connection towards home. As far as this team's current form, uh, they have achieved draws in their last two matches, uh, and that broke up a five-match losing streak that preceded those two. And now, Altad Haman. They are part of the Farwania government, most, uh, which is the most populous of the six. It's mainly a residential area. It's got about a one and a quarter million people. Uh, once again, I found conflicting sources. One says that they finished number one in the second division last year. Another one I found says they finished in 13th and like their opponents today should have been relegated, but for some reason weren't. What we do know is that this year the offense is actually pretty okay. They're number five, but their defense is the worst by far. 
They give up over two and a half goals per match. It is no surprise that they have the worst goal differential running, and that's why I don't think they can climb out of the bottom two and catch Faha Heel. Uh, tied for number three in scoring for them when there are a few bright spots is Yusuf Enizan. He's an attacker, homegrown, 31 years old, and he has spent his entire career right here with this club, in fact. Team's current form, they have lost three straight and winless in their last five. That sounds more like a match of disappointing team. Uh, there I go, uh, smashing together my affixes again. Oh, well. As far as uh, on the season, they've got a 2-11, and 11, or not on the season, but in those last three matches, they've got only two goals but have given up 11. And, yeah. Uh, these two teams are going down. And thusly, we will not do as we would do with other teams and wish them luck, but rather send them off in our traditional fashion as they so richly deserve. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Hey, boo. boo. And that'll put a bow on it. This has been episode 72 of Soccer Noob Rocking America featuring Person Noob. I often leave that out. She is the person I would first and foremost like to thank. Thank you very much for all your contributions to the show. Uh, Next, I would like to thank our guests, many previewers, Bryant and me from the podcast of the same name. No kisses for you, gentlemen, but nevertheless, you do have our thanks for contributing. Also, to the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the interno inferno for all of his creative contributions and to you. Thank you so much for listening. We know that this show for better and who knows, maybe for worse is a whole lot different than anything else you're going to find out there. We've endeavored to make it unique. You made it through the end. Hopefully that means you enjoy it. Hey, pass this on to your, uh, your footy minded friends. We'd really appreciate it until next time. Have a fabulous footy week. Take care. Gas prom. We wish a mother would.